harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Those first few words of this passage are very encouraging, aren't they? Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Very encouraging words. See, when someone is deceived, they believe something to be true when in actual fact it's not true, right? When someone is deceived, they think they are right about something when in reality they are very wrong about something. That's right, isn't it? When someone is deceived, they, 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 they really don't know. They don't know they're deceived because that's why they're deceived. That's pretty deep, isn't it? And I'm sorry to disappoint you this morning, but it's not just those that don't yet believe in Jesus Christ that can be deceived. Because here we have the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Galatia, and he is dealing with a whole lot of deception which has crept in to the church. You see, we are deceived when we behave in a certain way or ascribe to a certain philosophy or promote an ideology or even participate in something which contravenes God's principles or his will for our lives. We are deceived when we do that and then we justify it with good religious Christian talk or even some really well-selected out-of-context verses that we use to back it up. None of us do that in this room. I just heard about that somewhere else or in the world. That, that's deception, right? And here's the message the Apostle Paul is proclaiming loud and clear. Church, Christians, believers, followers of Jesus, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. In other words, you can't pull the wool over God's eyes. You might try to justify something you're doing or something you've done, but if God doesn't agree with you, you're not going to change God's mind. Anyone else discovered that? His principles always work. His word will always be true. In fact, if God and you ever disagree about anything at all, guess who's always going to win? Every time. With four sons in our family, there was never a dull moment, especially when they were little. You understand that, don't you? I'm 35 and I look 90 now. Four <laughs> little sons. One day, Jill was getting, finished getting ready to go out somewhere, and one of the sons came running up saying, Mommy, Mommy, so-and-so, who I really shouldn't name this morning, David, said, has, has broken a milk bottle. Who remembers what a, a milk bottle was? You know, not, not this sort of plasticky thing, but, you know, the real, whoop, the real glass. Stay. I'll put you on a leash. A glass, milk bottle. Who remembers that? You put them out the gate in the morning or the night and put the tokens on, and then the mirac miraculously there'd be milk the next day in another milk bottle, you know, milk bottle. Anyway, so he said, Mommy, he's broken a milk bottle. So Jill went into the kitchen to investigate what had happened, and to her dismay, discovered that, no, it wasn't a milk bottle that had broken, but actually adventurous son had gone up to the shelf and taken a whole lot of lovely vases from the shelf and put them on the edge of the kitchen bench to build a really fantastic tower out of them. And just as he was putting the very last vase on the top of this tower, it toppled and everything went crashing down on a journey towards the floor. Now, I think it would have been really awesome 
if somehow those vases had all suspended in air for a while, for a few moments, don't you think so? Jill could come rushing in and take them out of the air and just put them all back in the shelf without any problem. But no. They were subject to one of God's principles of creation, right? The law of gravity. Here's my first point this morning. God's principles never change. A number of years ago, we were in Golden Bay. Actually, we're there this year as well. We've been there every year for about 105 years. It's a fantastic place to go to. And Pohara Beach there in Golden Bay, on a warm summer's day, a couple of families decided they're going to have a picnic on the, on the sand. So they, they put their rugs out on the, on the sand, and they had a, some deck chairs, and they had their their wine and their food and and everything else they needed to make a a lovely picnic, and it was just idyllic. But what they hadn't counted on was they didn't realize that today was going to be a king tide. Full moon, high tide about middle of the day, and it was a big tide. And so they really didn't take much notice as the waves were sort of gradually getting closer and closer, and they were having a lovely time there in their deck chairs, nibbling on their food, and quite oblivious to this, and the gradual advancement, and suddenly a wave came up and swept over and around and beyond where they were sitting, and as it receded, it started dragging the rugs and the food and everything else out with them, and they scrambled trying to pick everything up to, to hold on to it as, as, it was, the, tide was, as the wave receded. Of course, none of us thought that was funny. Would you have thought that was funny? Gladly they did as well, so that was okay. Hey, listen, you can do whatever you like, but the tide is going to come in twice a day. You can say whatever you like. You can't stop the sun from rising every day. You can't stop the, the moon from shining. There are God's principles in place here. The earth continues to spin. You can't command it to stop. You can't command the tide to stay out there. No matter what I say or do, I've discovered I can't stop God being God. Anyone else decided that? He is always good, right? He is always just, right? He is always loving. He is always all-powerful. He is always holy. He is always forgiving. He is always full of mercy and grace, etc., etc. All these things about God. I can dispute any one of those things that I want to. But I'll be wrong, and God will be right. In fact, as Paul says here, I'll be deceived if I try to say that none of those things are true about God. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He can never be untrue to his character. He can't be untrue to his word. He can't be untrue to his principles. And there's a theological phrase that said it's called the irrefutable immutability of God. Try and say that five times in a hurry. It's cool, isn't it? The irrefutable immutability of God. What on earth does that mean, Paul? Well, immutable means that he's never going to change. It's the unchangeable nature of God. And the irrefutable part means it's undeniable. It is impossible for you to say that it is not true. It is totally true from beginning to end. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. His principles never change. Let's finish verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. We reap what we sow. So here's one of those principles of God that never changes. We reap what we sow. 
And any agriculturalist or crop farmer will tell you that one. A wheat farmer doesn't just walk out to the paddock one day and say, wow, look out there, there, there's a whole lot of wheat in that paddock. I wonder how on earth that got there. Hey, come and have a look, Jill, there's wheat in the paddock. No, he, he planted that wheat, he irrigated it, he fertilized it, and did all the other sort of things, I don't know, that wheat farmers have to do to get wheat. They do something anyway. And some months ago, he'd done that, and during the following months, he knew there was going to be a wheat crop. The only thing he didn't know was how good that crop would be or how much it was going to be worth. He planted wheat, and he expected to reap wheat, right? He planted and he reaped what he'd sown. Now, for some reason, some people in the Galatian church had forgotten this principle. So Paul is very clearly reminding them here. He's saying, don't fool yourselves. You certainly can't fool God. He's established a universal principle. We reap what we sow. It's true in the natural world, and it's true in the spiritual I don't know if you've looked at this. We're going to look at these verses again just for a wee moment, six, eight to ten. I counted these words. You haven't even got time to do it right now, but I, I cheated the other day and I counted them. Seventy-one words and eight, nine, and ten, right? But out of those 71 words, only 12 deal with reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping, in the negative way. The remaining 71 minus 12, 59, the remaining 59 words in these verses speak of sowing and reaping in a very positive way. And yet, usually when people talk about this whole principle, they use it in a cautionary way. They use it in a way, go, oh, you've got to be careful because you reap what you sow, you know. Exactly. Right. Of course we do. Yeah. But the, the negative part of it is only a very small part of the story, and it seems to me that here we have a very powerful aspect to this principle that we can neglect if we're not careful. I think that part of it's what Paul's purpose in writing this was. He's saying, Galatians, remind you, remind you that there are wonderful positive blessings in this principle of sowing and reaping. There's a good chance that maybe one or two of us here this morning need to be reminded of them too. And if you look through your Bible, you'd find it may not use the exact word sow and reap, but the principle is all the way through from beginning to end. And let's just look briefly Choose one or two of them this morning. Proverbs 11, verse 25. Look at this one. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. What's happening here? If I sow generosity, I'm going to reap prosperity. Oh, there we go again. You're the prosperity gospel. I knew you'd bring up that. You know, all the church ever talks about it's money, money, money. You've got to give it all the time. And then, you know. This word, prosperity and prosperous, we have a very narrow view that it's all about money. It's not at all. You know, if you look at the Hebrew beginning of this word, it actually means to thrive. Who wants to thrive in life? It means to be satisfied. Who wants to be satisfied in life? It's talking about a whole raft of things all over our whole lives, if we will sow generosity in our way we deal with people and also with our money, we're going to thrive in our, we're going to reap, to th- reap thriving. 
Does that work? We're going to reap satisfaction in our lives. We're going to reap that God's going to cause us to thrive. That's cool. The second part of that verse says, if I sow refreshing, if I go to refresh somebody else, guess what's going to happen to me? I'm going to reap refreshing. Isn't that good? Proverbs 12, verse 11. Those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies have no sense. So what's that telling me? It's saying, if I sow hard work, what am I going to reap? I'm going to reap provision in my life. I'm going to have the things I need in my life because I've sown hard work into a situation. I'm going to reap something really beneficial for my life. Proverbs 13 verse 10. Is this okay, by the way? Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. What's this one about? If I seek advice, so if I sow Listen to that advice and sow it into my life. What's going to happen? I'm going to reap wisdom. Who wants wisdom? Get some good advice from someone else. Sow it into your life. And the Bible says he will reap wisdom. Proverbs 13 verse 20. But further on in that same proverb. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. So you sow into good relationships and you reap Good relationships. This is cool stuff, isn't it? Luke 6, 38. Here's Jesus talking. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So it goes on. You can find this so many ways and so many verses. I just chopped out a few that I did have written for the today, but it was going to take another three hours, so I thought we'd better stop. But what, what a wonderful gift God has given in this principle. Don't you think? We can use it for our blessing and for the blessing of others in every area of our lives. How could the church at Galatia have forgotten that? None of us would ever forget that. Do you want friends? Be consistently friendly. Do you want more responsibility in life? Be faithful, the Bible says, in the small things. Do you want people to be kind to you? Then be kind to others. Do you want to be understood and accepted? Then understand people, accept people, show compassion to others, and so on and so on and so on. Because Jesus said in Luke 6.31, do to others as you would have them do to you. He's saying, don't wait for them to make the first move. You make the first move. You're the one that gets out there and starts to do the things that are great. And then you, you, you sow first, and then you're going to reap. Oh, well, you know, Paul, I tried to be friendly and no one's friendly back. Well, keep on being friendly. Sow friendliness. Well, you know, I smiled at people once and they thought, what's he up to? (laughs) Well, smile at people. You know, smiling at people is the one good gift you can give people every day of your life and it costs you nothing. It lifts their spirits and they still might wonder what you're up to. Oh, I gave some money once and, you know, I still, well, give some more. The Bible's not talking about one-offs here, right? This principle of sowing and reaping is all about a lifestyle. 
It's all about doing good. It's in the context of doing good as a lifestyle. It's in the context of when we do good, we are really displaying some of the characteristics and some of the goodness and who, of, of God himself. Who loves Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. So I thank you. <laughs> what translation was that? That's Jono's translation. That's probably the most well-known psalm there is in the world. But yeah, the last verse says this: "Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life." Some translations say it this way: they say, "Surely your goodness and your love." will follow me all the days of my life. Others say, surely your goodness and your loving kindness will follow. There's another problem with trying to find a word in English which suits the Hebrew word. There isn't one. But you know, all of those things are all of the unchanging attributes of God. And I just love this thought. Because it says, surely his goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. And I get this idea of, you know, all through my life, wherever I'm going... And things might be great today or things might be tough, but following me is God's love. Following me is God's goodness. Following me is his mercy and his loving kindness. And yeah, it's still there. You know, I look around, yeah, his grace is still there. His faithfulness is still there. They're following me all the days of my life. Isn't that awesome? And I can do good by sowing those things also into other people's lives. In fact, if you hang around us long enough, you're going to get caught in our, our, our slipstream of goodness of God and the love of God and the faithfulness of God. It's following us wherever we go so that people that are around us can get blessed also. Isn't that cool? So the Galatians are being reminded here, God's principles never change, and one of those is we reap what we sow. Reap goodness, reap love, reap faithfulness, reap mercy, reap grace, all the things that God's given us. Let's sow sow them into other people's lives so I can reap them and so can they. Did I get too mixed up on that one to make it work or not? You understand, don't you? I live in Lincoln. It's pretty hard to... Third thing, don't give up or don't stop. Galatians 6 verse 9, let's go back to it. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we We'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. I think school's a lot more sophisticated these days than when we were at school, those of us that are 35 plus. Don't know if you still do this sort of stuff, but when we were at school, way back when Noah went into the ark, we used to do things like plant seeds in a, in a bowl and see what happened. And actually, we also planted bean Seeds in the garden, the teacher showed us how to do this so that we could see what happened with the beans, right? Anyone else ever did that at school? You did it too. Gosh, you're old. So you put the, the beans in the ground one day and you watered them, etc. But then the very next day you went to go and dig them up because you're really excited to see what had happened. And the teacher came along and caught you in time and she says, hold on, dear. You can't do that just now. You've got to leave the seed in the ground. And 
you water it and you hoe it and you weed around and eventually little shoots will come up and then the beans will start to grow. So sure enough, one day little, little shoots start poking up through the ground. And you go, fantastic, I want to get one of those little shoots because they're my beans. And the teacher goes, hold on, dear. You have to wait a bit longer yet because that's just the shoot. And what will happen is the shoots have to grow and develop and then grow up the fence. Well, after sort of a few weeks, that starts to happen. You know, the, the, the vine starts to come up and it starts to grow up the fence and it gets tall and it gets strong and it gets really right up into the sky. So you start to climb up the vine through the clouds where the huge giant is. Sorry. No, that's the wrong bit. Uh, you've been playing with my notes again, Jill. Hmm. Oh, here we go. Okay. One day, some red flowers appear on the, the vine. You go, wow, red flowers. The teacher would like some red flowers. So you pick some flowers and you take them and say, these are for you, teacher. And the teacher says, hold on, dear. That's very lovely of you, but it isn't the flowers that we need. Those flowers, if you leave them long enough, will turn into beautiful beans. Oh, man, when does this ever end, you know? At long last, the beans begin to grow and develop, and as they're watered, they start to get plumper and look lovely, and there's a time when they develop and are ready to be harvested and Embedded in this little story and embedded in this, here there's a print in this principle of sowing and reaping. There is this thing here which this verse tells us about. It's the part we don't like very much. It's those words at the proper time. Other translations say at the right time, others say in due season, right? At the proper time, in due season, at the right time, the beans are ready to be harvested. You weren't after the wee sprout that came up out of the ground. You weren't even after those beautiful red flowers, were you? You were after the beans. And the beans only arrive at the proper time, in due season, at the right time. There's a time lag between the sowing and the reaping, and there's a gap in the middle, and it's true in the natural, and it's true in the spiritual. I don't know if you've thought about this much, but people were waiting and longing for decade after decade after decade for the Savior, for the Messiah. How long, Lord? Romans 5 verse 6 said it this way. It says, when we were utterly hopeless. Sorry, utterly, that's me, I'm utterly hopeless. Utterly helpless. Sometimes I'm hopeless and helpless. When we were utterly helpless. Did you change my notes again, Jill? Christ came, here it is, at just the right time and died for us sinners. Wow. In due season, at the right time, at the proper time, into the right place, to the right people, when everything was set in order, Jesus Christ came to earth. Not a day early and not a day late. I want to encourage you this morning. You may be waiting waiting for the reaping in some area of your life for a very long time. 
You've sown the seed. You've watered it with faith and with prayer, and you feel as if you've done all the right things, but you're still waiting to reap the blessing. This word is for you this morning. Let us not become weary in doing good. Don't get weary. Don't get weary in doing good. For at the proper time, at the right moment, at the juice in due season, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. At the proper time, at the right time. Some of you may be worrying about a family member or a son or a daughter who seem to have wandered right away from God right now. Or maybe you're concerned about your children now that they might start to wander away in the future when they're older. This principle of sowing and reaping very much applies to a situation like this. You sow the ways of God into them when they're young, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. They may go for a season. One translation says they shall return to it at the proper time. There's a gap. There can be a delay between the sowing and the reaping. That gap time is the time to water it, just not with only your tears, but with your faith and with your prayer. Hebrews 6 verse 12, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. You know, I looked at that word lazy and thought, what a harsh word to use when we're waiting for an answer to something, when we're going through tough time or we've sown and we've sown and haven't seen an answer. But, you know, it's, again, one of those difficult words. In the Greek, it actually means a whole shade of things. It means sluggish, dull, or even indifferent. So while you're waiting in this long gap between your sowing and waiting for the reaping in this particular situation, he's saying don't get sluggish in your faith. Don't get dull. Don't get indifferent about it. Don't give up on it. Don't get lazy. It's as if the waiting gap has got too wide for you to even believe it's going to happen and you've almost given up believing the answer will come. And so the writer here is saying, hey, don't give up. Follow the example of the ones who've gone before you who received their promise through faith and patience. If I'm honest, I get the faith bit much better than the patience bit. Anyone else? I actually understand impatience very well. But the problem with impatience is it can bring a lack of perseverance in our lives. Because when we are impatient, we can give up far too soon. And we're what, we, before the answer's going to come, before we even reap, we give up, get on to something else because we can't wait any longer through faith and patience. Oh, well, Paul, you know that person? I know a person. They, they, uh, they, they sowed and they reaped really quickly and I'm still waiting. Different crop. Different season. Different soil. Different time. Some crops mature to harvest much more quickly than others. Wheat's a different crop from barley. It's a different crop from growing corn. It's a di- they have a different germination and growing period. One last verse. Hebrews 10, 35 to 36. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You will need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. What I'm going to say to you next might not please some of you. Well, a lot of what I've already said might not, but that's... Not everything 
We want to see answers to happen here on earth. A lot of what we want and believe for to happen may not happen until we get to heaven. Does the sowing reaping principle happen and work here on earth? Absolutely. Do we get answers to our prayer here on earth? You bet we do. But some things won't fully be reaped until after we're long gone. Just imagine one day in heaven and on the big screens everywhere, there's this big thing that goes, news flash. Everyone stops and they all look around at all the big screens and suddenly a name comes up on that screen and you know that name really, really well. It was somebody you prayed for to come to Jesus when you were on earth and nothing ever seemed to happen. And the news flash is they've just come into faith into Jesus Christ, going to get baptized and they're going on in their faith. How exciting. Thank you, Lord. The answer came long after you were gone. Is anyone who's smiling about this this morning? Another day, another day, news flash. You prayed for revival day in and day out. Year after year, nothing seemed to happen. The nation you prayed for, nothing seemed to be moving and there seemed to be very few things happening in the sense of the spiritual and God moving in lives. Suddenly now it says on the news flash, revival is now broken out. There are thousands upon thousands of people coming to know Jesus Christ. How exciting. Guess what? You are reaping what you sowed while you are on earth. And here's something else as we close. The blessing you are enjoying in your life today, a lot of it's due to your sowing and your reaping, sure, and yours, but you know, it's also due to other people that have been sowing on your behalf. You're reaping the blessing because someone else sowed. You may not even know who that is. You may not have any idea of their name. The fact that you're a follower of Jesus today or even in this room today is because somebody else sowed something in the past. They prayed. They believed God. They gave. They did all sorts of things you have no idea about. You are now reaping the benefit in the gap. We sow with our tears, with our faith, and with our prayer. We reap what we sow. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we close our eyes around this building today for a few moments. Just as that quiet music's playing in the background, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart Maybe something completely different from what I've just been saying, but maybe, maybe he's going to bring to mind right now something you sowed in the past and you've felt the gap has been too big and you've lost your perseverance. You haven't been watering it. You haven't been crying over it. You haven't been praying. You haven't been applying your faith because it feels like it's too much, too long a wait. But the Holy Spirit may be saying to you this morning, pick it up again. Water it again. Pray into it again. Have faith again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As our eyes are still closed, if you, if the, if the Holy Spirit's shown you something that He wants you to pick up again because you have sown 
but you haven't continued no, no, you've let it go like it seemed too long a wait and you think yeah Lord saying to me today I just need to again apply my faith and my prayer and water it again because I will reap I may not see it till I get to be with the Lord but I'm going to reap but if anyone there this morning you put your hand and say yes I've picked it up there's something that I felt God showed me I'm going to just water it just hold it up your hand please so I can just look around it's, it's cool Father, we thank you today that your principles are true, that you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your heart is toward us. and You love to bless. But we thank you, Lord, you're forming us into your image. And we pray again this morning that your Holy Spirit work in us, that we would not become weary in doing good. but with faith and patience we will inherit what has been promised in due season. Thank you for that, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love for us today. Undying, unfailing love. And we praise you with all that is in us this morning. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing another song.